morning, aren't you? It's awesome what they do. Well, uh, this morning we're kind of in a, an in-between of series. Next week we're going to start a brand new series on how to fix broken relationships. And I promise you, you do not want to miss it. Uh, somebody texted me this week. You know, we just got done talking about disappointment with God and where is God in, in certain situations. And somebody texted me and said, you know, me and my small group are talking. I never really felt like God was absent or far from me, but I have feel like people have been absent from me or I've had a broken relationship with people. What do I do about that? And I said, well, that's why the next series is for you. And they're like, great, cool. Uh, so I hope that you're here next week. But I, I want to start today's conversation off with a little bit of a question. Do you ever feel like a burden? You know what I'm talking about? You ever feel like your life, your situation, your circumstances, it, it sometimes feel like, feels like you inconvenience people. You know, maybe like um, if you're a teenager or you're a young adult or shoot, some, you know, even if you're in your 30s, you could feel like that with your parents, you know, where you inconvenience them a lot, where you just know like your parents are keeping you afloat. Like you could not do this without your parents or maybe you live with your parents or in your parents' basement or in your parents' guest room or whatever it is. And you're like, man, I, I could not do it without them. And they are just, they are keeping me afloat right now. And I know it. And I can't wait for the day where I can kind of wrap up my tab <laughs> that I have with them. Uh, uh, but for right now, it just feels like right now you have more bad news than good news. And it doesn't seem like it's going in that direction. And you just, you feel like you're a burden. Maybe even you feel that way in your relationships right now. And you're, that's why when people ask you, do, do, would you like help? Would you like, you're like, no, 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 no. I don't need any help. I don't need to talk to me, but it's fine because you don't, you don't want to be a burden. Nobody wants to feel like that in their relationships. Or let me ask you this. Do you ever feel awkward I mean, you ever feel awkward because you know, you're, you, you, you're self-aware enough that you know things you do. You know how you are. You know how you come across. There's just certain things like you can't get around it. This is how you are and this is how you laugh and this is how you do things or whatever else. And so it's made you a bit self-conscious a little bit around people because you know it's, it's a bit awkward and you know some of you know, the quirks and things that you have. And so you kind of keep people... You know, at, a, at arm's length, even at times, because of that awkwardness. This is what keeps you sometimes from trying new things or going new places. Because anytime that invitation comes out, your first question is, well, who's going to be there? <laughs> right? Or, well, 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 are you going? Is somebody going to know? Because when we walk into situations like that, you can, you can even feel like that when we walk into church, right? You're like, man, I, I feel awkward. I feel weird. Um, this is not my, you know, uh, home field advantage or anything like that. And so we walk in and we, we feel that awkwardness. And nobody, again, nobody wants to feel that way. But sometimes in life we, we feel awkward. Or let me ask you this. Do, do you ever feel embarrassed? Where you think to yourself, if anybody knew my story, if anybody knew where I've come from, if anybody knew what I have been charged with or what I have had to see a lawyer for, if anybody knows, anybody knew what I told my counselor last week or what my spouse knows or what my kid, kids know, oh boy, like there would be some awkwardness. There would be some uncomfortable. And I, I'm a bit, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm a bit embarrassed because there's parts of my story that I wouldn't want anybody to know. Or even there's certain things that I think or certain beliefs I have, certain thoughts I have that honestly, if I was in a small group, I think I would stand out a little bit. And there's a little bit of awkwardness there. And we could even feel like that sometimes in those environments where you, you have questions, you have faith questions. 
And, and, and you want to slip your hand up and ask or, or share something you feel, but you don't want to be embarrassed because sometimes it feels like you're the only one in the room who has that question or you're the only one in the room who feels that way. And so you, you, you put your hand down and you're just, you're quiet, right? We all have felt that way too. So here's the thing with, with whether it's complicated or it's awkward or it's embarrassing or it's burdensome, bottom line, it's messy. So let me, let me ask you a question. Where do you go to let that all go? Where do you go to let that all go? Because here's the thing. Awkward, messy, burdensome, embarrassing situations left untouched, they tend to bottle up. And things that bottle up are never good for your mental health, never good for your physical health. I mean, they can literally wear you down in all kinds of different ways. So let me ask you, where do you go to release all of that tension? That you keep built up inside. Where do you go? Let me ask you this. Where do you go to let someone else know? Because we all need somebody to share these things with. It's not enough to just, you know, we, we can all think of things that, you know, help us blow off some steam to let things go. And some of us don't even have that. But, but where do you go to talk to someone about it? To, to not feel alone. Because awkward and embarrassing and messy circumstances, they can be isolating. Sometimes it feels like you're on an island by yourself. They can make us feel lonely. So where do you go to let someone else know what you're going through? Because... We all know this, whether you're Christian or not, no matter what your beliefs or your your upbringing or anything like that, everyone needs a safe place to be themselves. Every single one of us need a safe place to let down all of the filters, all of the things, all of the shields, to, to take our arm's length away and to let people in and feel like we can breathe, right? Or we feel like we can just be who I am and be honest about what I think, what I feel, and what I'm going through. You know, when we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, there was something about Jesus that stood out to everybody. And this is one of the things that made people question that he really, truly was the son of God. As a matter of fact, this is one of the things that led to his crucifixion and people wanting to kill him because they didn't believe that he was the son of God because he was different than they had imagined. Because there was something that he did that was different than how they viewed God. And there was something that he did that was different than how they viewed any other deity or any other God that they had prayed to and worshipped and sacrificed to. And the thing that was so different about Jesus than any other deity, anything else, was that he was here for it. I mean, Jesus, as soon as his ministry begins, they had believed that you know a deity, a God, even the Jewish God, that, they, that he would sit on a throne, distant from people. And that if people wanted him, they would have to come towards him. They would, they would have to go to the temple. They would have to go into the Holy of Holies. And they would have to go through a priest. They would have to enter into his presence in order to experience him. And they believed this about all of the different gods. But then here was Jesus who said that he was the son of the father. And then here he was moving towards people's messy situations. He was moving towards and getting into people's awkward and embarrassing and burdensome and messy situations that they were in. 
I mean, there's all kinds of examples throughout the Gospels of this happening. For instance, you'll probably remember this one, whether you grew up in church or not. But Zacchaeus, right? You remember Zacchaeus? You may have remembered this in church, or if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard of Zacchaeus. We'll, we'll see how much, how, how many of you grew up in church here real quick. Zacchaeus was a, a what? Zacchaeus was a, a wee little man. You can't say that anymore, folks, okay? It's 2024. It's not politically correct anymore, okay? Zacchaeus, you can't say he was a wee little man, okay? Zacchaeus was a perfectly proportioned male, okay? That's what he was, all right? But, but he, he, he was a tax collector. That was the big thing. That's what the song doesn't tell you. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Now, you may not know this. Context is everything, right? Tax collectors back then were the worst of the worst. And here's why. So the Roman Empire, they would hire people like Zacchaeus or even the disciple Matthew. Before he was a disciple, he was a tax collector as well. They would hire these tax collectors to collect taxes over certain regions or communities. However, there was no oversight or accountability. And so for that reason, these tax collectors, naturally selfish people, they would end up collecting for themselves as well. So let's say the Roman Empire said, hey, this, this region of Judea needs a 7% tax. Well, somebody like Zacchaeus, they would tax everybody 9%. So then they would give the empire 7% and they would keep 2% for themselves. And that's how they would be wealthy and rich and take advantage of everybody. And here's the thing. This was not a secret. Everybody knew this. So everybody knew that Zacchaeus was a thief and that he was taking advantage of people. And there's nothing they could do because the Roman Empire didn't care. There was no oversight. So there was no one they could appeal to or write to or ask for political, you know, help in any kind of political way, shape, or form. And so they were just kind of you know, in, in a bad spot. And Zacchaeus was completely comfortable with it. And so Zacchaeus is despised, hated by his community. He's the villain of the story. And then one day, Jesus is coming into town. Jesus comes through, and guess what? Zacchaeus, like so many other people, Zacchaeus was curious. And so this is what uh, Peter tells Luke, and Luke wrote it down. It says, one day Zacchaeus, he wanted to see who Jesus was. And Jesus was coming into town. So because he was perfectly proportioned male and everybody else was so tall, right? This is what I tell myself. I'm just sharing my story, right? Uh, But because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So, you know, Zacchaeus, being the little Keebler elf that he is, he climbs up in his little Keebler tree and he's up there and he's waiting for Jesus to come. And so he's up there and Jesus is coming by. And again, there's a huge crowd. I mean, Zacchaeus is one of a ton of people. And then think for just a minute, put yourself in Jesus' shoes. All of a sudden, Jesus stops and looks up and he meets eyes with Zacchaeus. Think If that were you, what you would do. I mean, he's up there in his Keebler elf tree. If he wasn't making fudge cookies, he about fudged himself in that moment right there. Because in that moment right there, Jesus locks eyes with him and he's like, oh, shoot. Right? I mean, he's like, oh, no. He knows. He knows. He knows who I am. He knows what I've done. I mean, it's like when your parent looks at you and you know you've done something wrong and you know they know that you've done something wrong. That's how Zacchaeus would feel in that moment. And so Jesus, he, he tells him, this is what he, this is what he tells him. He's, Jesus reached a spot and he looked up and he said to him, now, before we get to it, okay, hit pause. 
what, if you forget, I know some of you, you know the end of the story, right? Because this is a story that many of us grew up with in church. But, but just take that, take that out of your mind for a minute and let's put, put it in the situation like you don't know what happens next. If Zacchaeus, let's put it in 2024 context. Let's say Zacchaeus was a really, really bad person. I mean, we don't understand the whole tax collector thing and how we'd feel about that. But let's say Zacchaeus was a sex offender. Let's say Zacchaeus was a thief. Let's say Zacchaeus was somebody who had really, really, really hurt somebody who we loved. Let's say Zacchaeus was your ex-boyfriend or your ex-girlfriend or somebody you've divorced from. Let's say Zacchaeus was a, a, a harmful, abusive person. Whatever the context may be. Let's say that was Zacchaeus. If you were in the crowd and all of a sudden Jesus stops and he points out that person who hurt you. What would you want? Jesus to say to Zacchaeus. I mean, there'd be a little bit of excitement in the room, right? Because of like, oh, he knows. Look, he called him out. He found that little Keebler elf up there in that tree. Look at that. Oh, he's, he's in trouble now, right? And Jesus, he looks at him and he says this. He says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. And the whole crowd is going like, oh, Zach's going to get it. I love this, right? This is so, oh, yeah, oh, he's going to rip him a new one. This is going to be so good. Oh, yeah, get into him, Jesus. What's he going to say? What's he going to do? And Zacchaeus, all of a sudden, he's sweating. He doesn't know what to do. He's hanging on to this tree limb for his life, and he does not want to come down. And then Jesus says these words that made everybody's jaws dropped. He said, Zacchaeus. I'm going to stay at your house today. What? What? That's not, no, 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 no. We need to smite him, Jesus. Like, like light his Keebler elf behind up, right? I mean, like, that's what we need to do, right? No, 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 not go to his house. But that's what Jesus does. Jesus goes, hey, come on down and let's, let's go to your house. Now think about this for a minute. Jesus looks up, he meets eyes with Zacchaeus, he calls him by name. So not only, and and you're smarter than this, if Jesus looks up and he calls him by name, you had better know if Jesus knows his name, Jesus knows what he's done. Jesus knows his embarrassing moments, his mess ups, his slip ups, his situation, his awkward. He knows about it all. Yet he looks up, he calls him by name and he says, come on down, Come, come, come here. I can't, I can't get up there to you, but you, you come down here to me. And I'll tell you what, we will go to your house. Again, keep in mind, Jesus didn't say, now Zacchaeus, you need to come down here and you need to get right with God and you need to get right with these people. But I tell you what, we're going to do it on my terms. So I want you to meet me at the temple tomorrow. And we're going to go into the temple and then we're going to go through the appropriate, you know, uh, channels that we need to go through. We're going to take you into the temple. We're going to have you make a sacrifice and we're going to pardon you for your sins. And then we're going to absolve you of your sins and, you know, sprinkle some things on you and make you all pure and right. And, you know, smack your rear end and send you on your way. And then we can have a conversation and then we can be friends. That's not what Jesus does. He doesn't make him jump through the hoops. He doesn't make him come to his territory, his place where he feels comfortable. No, he goes into his territory. He goes where he is comfortable. He says, hey, let's, let's go to your house. You, you feel safe in your house? You like your house? I'd probably be a little bit uncomfortable to come into my house. So let's go to your house where you feel safe and you feel comfortable and let's talk. Wow. Amazing. I mean, Jesus moves towards his complicated, moves towards his messy because Jesus was here for it. 
Because Jesus knows what every single one of us know. Because every single one of us, deep down in our hearts, we want this. Whether we're religious or not, this is a human thing. Every single one of us, we need a safe place to tell and to work out our story. Every single one of us, we need that. We need a place where we feel safe, where we feel like we, we can be honest and we can tell and we can work out our story. Because keeping the secrets and keeping things to ourselves and not admitting the awkward, the burdensome, the complicated, it can wear us down. And so Jesus says, let's go to your house where you feel comfortable. Come on, I'm, I'm here for it. And they go and man, we, we have no clue what, what happened there? But we know this, Zacchaeus, he said, he, he came down and he welcomed him gladly. He didn't have any reservations. Jesus made the space so safe and so comfortable that Zacchaeus was glad to take him to his house and open up to him. And, and he did. He must have. We have no clue what, what happened, but we know what happens next. And, and, you know, this is one of my things when I, I grew up in church and I've always thought about this. When, when I go to heaven, I, I want to ask God, like, what did you say to him in that room? Like, what happened? We don't know, probably because the disciples weren't in there with him. Jesus probably closed the door and said, I'm going to spend some time with him. I'll be back in a minute. The disciples maybe were, were hanging back. And, but they had this conversation. And who knows? I'm, I'm sure they probably broke bread. I'm sure they probably ate together because they, we know they were sitting at some kind of table or kitchen table. Maybe there was some laughter. Maybe there's some jokes. Maybe there was some, some crying and maybe some tears, some stories that were shared. But whatever happened, we do know what happened next. Because at some point in time, when the disciples were probably outside, it says that Zacchaeus stood up from the table. And this is what it says. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Wow. Incredible. Think about it. in one conversation, in one conversation, Zacchaeus goes from zero to hero. In one conversation, all because Jesus was here for it. Because Jesus entered into his complicated, messy, awkward, embarrassing situation and said, let's go to your house and let's have a talk. And all of a sudden, it changed Zacchaeus' life. And it changed other people's life that was connected to Zacchaeus' life. As well. Or let's, let's talk about another one that you probably know the, the woman at the well, right? Another situation that, again, you may not understand the implications of, but if you read the story in John, Jesus goes out of his way. He's traveling along a road and he goes out of his way to go into enemy territory, to go into towards a village that he knows a Samaritan will be waiting for him. And if you don't know context, again, the Jews and the Samaritans, they did not mix. There was racial divides there where Samaritans did not mix with Jews and Jews did not mix with Samaritans. But Jesus moves towards a messy situation and he comes across a woman at a well and things get awkward really, really quick. This Samaritan woman, she says to Jesus, she said, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. There were all kinds of boundaries being crossed. He's a man. She's a woman. She's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. There are so many things that should not be happening here. But Jesus was here for it. Jesus moved towards the messy, awkward, complicated, embarrassing 
situations. And Jesus, as they're sitting there, as he's moved towards her, he, he, he says this. He told her, go. Why don't, you, why don't you go call your husband and then come, come back? It's a weird question to ask, right? But again, Jesus knew. He says, go, 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 go call your husband and then come back over here. And she responds to him. She says, uh, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you, you are right when you say you have no husband. And Jesus, he says something so embarrassing, so awkward, so uncomfortable. This is what he says next. He says, the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you are, you're with now is not your husband. But you have said what you have said is quite true. Jesus is almost sarcastic. Why don't you go get your husband? Yeah, I don't got a husband. He's like, yeah, that's right. You don't have a husband, don't you? You're messing with five husbands right now, right? Hmm, that's weird. <laughs> what you've said is quite true. And she's going, um, excuse me. Like, who do you think you are, Mr. Judgy? But, but, but here's what's so beautiful about this, right? John, he, he understood this at the beginning of his gospel. He, he said, man, if I could put God into, or Jesus into a word and how he was like God, he would say, God is love. And Jesus showed us that. I know God is love because the son has revealed that about the father. But he also says, if I had to even tease that out even more, he says he was fully grace and he was fully truth all the time. Grace and truth all the time. Not half and half or not sometimes this and sometimes that. He was those things all the time. And how true that was. He showed that with Zacchaeus. Because he was so graceful towards Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, let's go to your house. Let's create a, a space where you're safe and you feel comfortable. And you want to open up to me and share your story. But something happened in that room where Jesus spoke truth into Zacchaeus' life. And it made Zacchaeus want to make a change in his life. And he does the same thing with the Samaritan woman. Now we, we, we have the details. We have the story. He sits down with this woman and he moves towards her and he is all grace, 100% grace. But at the same time, he moves towards the complicated. He brings up the messy. He brings up the awkward. He goes, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let's talk about the thing that you won't talk to anybody else about. Let's talk about all these men and what you're doing with them. And then it gets real awkward. And then it gets really messy. And then it gets really uncomfortable. But Jesus is okay for it. He's here for it. And then Jesus, he uses this analogy of the water, right? They're at this well and he goes, you know, this, this stuff, this will always leave you thirsty, won't it? Same thing like what you're doing with these relationships of yours, right? It's never, never good enough. It's never enough. You can have one night stands. You can have all these sexual experiences and it never really does it for you, doesn't it? But you know what? Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if there was something that could fill that void in your heart? It, wouldn't there be something that could maybe never leave you thirsty, but could fill you up? You know, I could offer you that. He gives her an alternative. He invites her to follow him. And it, it amazes her. It shocks her. It's, it says next that she went home, then leaving her water jar. She was, so, she was so messed up from this experience, she didn't even take her water jar home. She's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And she just leaves her water jar. And the woman went back to town. And she, she sees people and she starts telling people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Come, there is a man, and he entered into my awkward, embarrassing, complicated life. 
and he knew it all and he wasn't bothered by it all. He was here for it. And he offered me an alternative way to live. Come and see this man. And you know what happened because of that? It affected more people. What says next, the village, it came out of the town and made their way towards him because everyone wanted to meet the man who was here for it. See, Jesus, Jesus was here for it and he was here for the complicated. He was here for the awkward. He was here for the embarrassing. He was here for the messy situations and the messy people of this world. And do you know what happened as a result of it? What happens all through the gospels is that people, people who were nothing like Jesus, liked Jesus. Remember, the, the, the prophecies and everything that they had believed about the Messiah, it was about the Jewish God coming and, and, and being the Savior to the Jewish people. That's what they understood. And Jesus himself was a Jew. But do you know what happened? Is that non-Jews, Gentiles, even Samaritans wanted to follow this, this Jewish rabbi. This Jewish rabbi that said he was the son of the Jewish God. They, they were nothing like him and they didn't even, weren't even involved in his religion. But they liked him and they wanted to follow him. Because when Jesus entered into their messy, complicated, awkward, embarrassing lives, do you know what they learned? As Jesus listens to them and offers truth to them, they felt, they felt like Jesus made their life better and made them better at life. And they wanted it. And they wanted a relationship with them. Because they wanted to know the God who stepped off of his throne and moved towards their mess, who, who wasn't bothered by it, who wasn't appalled by it, who didn't turn his lip up to it, who wasn't disgusted by it. They wanted to know the God who moved towards their mess and was here for it and was here for them. And they wanted to know what he thought and they wanted to know how he thought they should live their lives. And guess what? It changed the world. It, it changed the world. It changed morality. It changed, it changed empires. It changed regions. It changed legacies. It changed history. It has literally impacted the world. And for us as a church, as Anchored Hope Church, we started this church 11 years ago. And our mission is to inspire people to follow Jesus. And a few years ago, we kind of sharpened up our vision statement, and really figured out exactly what kind of church we wanted to be. We had always been this church, but we had never been able to really put words to it. But we decided we wanted to be a church for people who don't like church. Because what we mean by that is we believe very specifically that the American church has made it far too complicated for people to get to Jesus. And it's been my experience and it's been some of your experiences that when we really start to learn about Jesus, people don't really have a problem with Jesus. What they have a problem with is the church. 
They liked Jesus because Jesus was here for it. What is there not to like about Jesus? But then the church adds unnecessary boundaries and hoops that you have to jump through and certain things that you have to do and certain dance moves and walk through the right room and do the right thing and do the sin, learn the YMCA and stuff. And it just, it gets so complicated, so awkward, so embarrassing, so burdensome that people go, you know what, maybe it's just not worth it. If I got to do all of that to get to the Jesus, then I don't know if I really want to do it. Maybe I'll just try to do it myself. And so we've decided to be a church that eliminates all of those boundaries, that eliminates all of those hoops and makes it as easy as possible for people to get to Jesus. And that's what we mean by being a church for people who don't like church. Because we believe if we can be a church for people who don't like church, if we can better uh, equip people to understand and inspire them to follow Jesus, then we believe that people who, don't, who are nothing like Jesus will like Jesus. And we believe what people will experience is is that Jesus can make your life better and make you better at life. And so we've strived to be that. And we still are that. But as we move forward and as we grow and as we get older, we, we, we want to sharpen that vision. We want to sharpen the culture of our church that we've created here that we believe is unique and that we believe is, is one of our, our, our best assets as a church is our culture and how we do church. But we've decided that just like Jesus, we want to be here for it. And and here's what we mean by that. Regardless of the drama, the loud noises, the early mornings, the late nights, the bad jokes, the tears, the strange odors, the hard questions, the glitter, the meltdowns, the awkward conversations, and the out-of-control situations, we're here for it. We're here for the family drama. We're here for the broken relationships. We're here for the marriage drama, the divorce drama, the weird things that middle schoolers do. You know you do it. Uh, all, all of the different smells and odors, the puke, the glitter, the things that kids need, the things that teens need, the things that young adults need, the weird things that you millennials do, the weird things that you boomers do, okay? We're here for it all. The financial situations, the world situations, the health situations, the political situations, the community situations, the race situations, the sexuality conversations. We're here for it all. We're not embarrassed by any of it. It doesn't make us feel awkward. You're not a burden to us. We are here for it because we want you to know we are here for you. And here's the thing. We want you to be here for it too. We don't want this to just be a thing that the staff believes or the leadership believes. We want this to be a thing that you adopt with us because we believe that being here for it is the ultimate opportunity to love your neighbor as yourself. I believe that the the environment, the culture that our church has created, it is the ultimate opportunity for you to learn and experience what it truly means and what it truly looks like to love your neighbor. Because I guarantee you, if you come here, you are not going to see a bunch of buttoned up, beautiful looking people who have all of their stuff together. Okay, There are some churches that that's what you see. They don't get into the awkward. They don't get into the messy. They are into the buttoned up, Family of four, everything together, never going to get divorced, never been divorced, no tattoos, no drinking, you know, don't date, drink or chew or date girls that do. That's their thing and that's what they do. And you know what? And that's, that's who goes to their church. 
But our church, we are here for it. And so you're going to see a lot of messes in the room. Actually, just go ahead, turn to the person next to you and go, you're a mess, all right? Okay, now stop it. I know you've wanted to do that for quite some time, all right? But we are. We're a mess. I'm a mess. And we're here for it. And when you are a part of Anchored Hope, what we believe is you're not just going to church and hearing some good messages and some good music and getting some great donuts and coffee. You're getting the opportunity to love your neighbor as yourself. This, for some of you, let's be honest, how many of us create opportunities through the week to live out the command to love God and love your neighbor? How many of us go out of our way to create opportunities? And experiences where we put the person beside us, in front of us. Not many of us, not many of our jobs create that opportunity. Not many of us have the ability or opportunity to create that kind of experience. But we can create it for you. We can give you real life situations and real life opportunities and experiences. Where you can live out what you say you believe. Where you can put your faith where your mouth is. And truly love your neighbor as yourself. But it's much more than that. And if you're still not sold on this, here's the other thing that happens too. Something amazing happens to your own faith when you engage with messy people and messy situations who God loves. When you engage with messy people in messy situations, you, something happens in you. This is, this is for your benefit. It's not just so you can be an actual Christian and actually live out Christian values. It's, so, it's because when you do something amazing happens in you. And something amazing can happen for you. So I'm going to ask you a question. And you can just answer it internally. Are you here for it? Now, look. This is, it'd be easy for you to say yes. Okay, I could be one of those pastors. Be like, if you're here for it, give me a yes. And all of you would say yes because you don't want to be awkward and be the only one that says no. All right? So I'm not going to put you in that situation. Okay? Because uh, quite honestly, if you really understood what this means and what this looks like, some of you would say no. Because you know what awkward looks like. You know what embarrassing looks like. You know what weird looks like. So let me tell you, if, if you but if you want to say yes to this, If you want to adopt this attitude the same way that we have adopted this attitude, let me tell you, there's some conditions to this. Because here's what here means. Here, here requires a consistent action to show up. Here, if you're going to be here for it, guess what? You can't be here for it unless you're here. Does that make sense? You got to be here for it. You got to show up. Look, I've said this many times and I'll say it again. And if, if you're watching online or if you're listening to this in your car... I'm sorry for this, but this is the truth. I've said this before and I'll always believe this. Watching online or listening to our podcast, that is supplemental. That is not a substitution for being here. It is supplemental. And I can't tell you how many times somebody will reach out to somebody else and say, hey, where you been the last couple of weeks? What's going on? And you're like, oh, we've been watching online. You know what I mean? Like, don't worry. I got my doctor's pass. I've been watching online. Okay. No, that's not what that person means. When they've been asking where you have been, they want to see you. They're worried about their friend. They want to know. No, I'm not asking. Have you been watching the sermon? I've been, I'm asking you, where have you been? Because I haven't got to be there for you. 
I need you. See, here's the thing. When we gather together in this room, what's happening is we're not just taking in content and listening to good music. We're here for one another. There's something that happens in this room. And you already know this. You've experienced this. I mean, we just went through three weeks of a very dramatic series that really touched a lot of us. And, and how many of us, we've been in this room this last couple of weeks, and you look, you look you know, to your right or you look to your left, and there's somebody next to you crying. There's somebody next to you who, who's tearing up. And that's why we keep the lights down. So you can't see that stuff. But you see it. Because you hear that sniffle, right? You're looking at me and you hear that. And you're like, you look over and you see it. And they're like, allergies. You know what I mean? But, but you see it in this room. Or how many times somebody comes down to this altar. And they're giving it up to God. Or they're praying or they're crying. Guess what? Those are opportunities for you to be here for someone else. For you to be here for it. For you to approach that person and sometimes not to say a word at all, but just to give them a hug. Or give them a fist pound or give them a handshake. For, for, some, for someone when they're wiping those tears away or you know that some... You don't even need to know exactly what it was that touched them, but you just go up to them and say, hey, I love you. Just to get that... That hug or that side hug or that fist bump. I mean, I, I love when you guys come in just giving you a fist bump or from getting a hug from Chris, Chris Fuentes. And just getting, you know, just being around my family, being around my friends and feeling like I'm not alone in the world. And just knowing that somebody's here for me. We got to be here for it for one another. This is an opportunity in this room. You know, there's always serving to be done, but beyond serving, just to be here and be in the room and to be here for, for your spouse and your family and other spouses and other families and other people and, and the kids in the back. There's an opportunity here for you to be here for it. But you got to be here. You got to be, you got to be in the room. You got to show up. But here's the other thing. It's not just about other people. It's about you. You need to be here for it because you need this. Because you need to be in the room. Because you need to hear what we're talking about. And you, you need to deal with the awkward, embarrassing, burdensome, messy situation that you have going on right now. And you need to be in the room because you need to let it go. You need a place where you can let it go and you can let people know. And you can be honest and you can be real and you can be in a place where nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to critique you and people are just going to let you let it all out because they know because they've been them, there themselves. That's the beauty of what happens when we gather together. And the other thing is this. You got to be for. And that cues you to have the posture of an advocate. We are here for the embarrassed the people with the burdens, the messy situations, the embarrassing, awkward, weird stuff. It's why we do our mobile food market. Every single second Wednesday of the month, we partner with STL Food Banks. They deliver eight pallets of food. We put online, we have free food. And here's the thing that people love about our mobile food market. You may not know this, but you know why people love our mobile food market? It's because at most food pantries are things you have to bring paperwork. You have to bring your story. You have to bring your income. You have to tell people, here's what I make. I have a job. I'm doing this. I'm clean. I'm sober. There's so many hoops that you have to jump through, but people 
people love our mobile food market. You know why? Because we throw it out there and we say, hey, are you hungry? Do you need food? Well, come on over to Anchored Hope Church. Open up your trunk. We'll keep it as safe as possible. Tell you what, you don't even have to interact with us. You don't even have to look at us. You can keep your window rolled up and we won't even mess with you. You open your trunk. We're going to throw food in the back of your thing and you can drive off and you can do what you need to do with it. No judgment, no questions asked. And you know what? People love it. People love it so much that they've, they've seen how we're here for them. And then they want to interact with us. It's amazing to me. Vicki, there'll be a line down Wood Street. We'll serve hundreds of families in an hour. And Vicki will go down that line. And as she's asking each family, how many, how many families are you trying to feed? How much food do we need to put in your trunk? They'll stop her. And they'll want to tell her they're awkward. They're embarrassing. They're burdensome, messy situations. We don't go around asking people, you know, we don't go around going, now we're going to pray for you because you're going to get some God before you leave here with your bread and your milk, okay? We don't do that. But people will roll down their window and ask us to pray for them. So much so, this is so known, so much a part of our culture, that last month, Vicki Lair was not able to be there. And people, nine people asked, is Vicki okay? Where is Vicki? All right? I was the guy putting the numbers on things, and they're like, who are you, little boy? Where is the older lady? Where is the older lady who prays for me that I can tell my awkward, messy stuff too? Please go away. Get Vicky back. Because that's what we're known for. We're known for being here for it. It's why we do the affordable Christmas shop. Where we bought $20,000 in toys. And we partnered with the schools in Wright City and the schools in Troy. Because families during the Christmas season are going through awkward, messy, embarrassing situations. And they need help. And they're, they're so embarrassed they won't ask for the help. So we go to them. We partner with the counselors. And the counselors go to them and go, we know you're embarrassed. We Let's call out the elephant in the room. We know what you're going through. Please, this church wants to be here for you. And they allow us to come in and set up this Christmas shop. And we serve these families in a dignified, empowering way. Keeping their dignity intact. Because we're advocates for them. Because we're for them. We are not against them. It's why in November we partnered with four non-for-profits. And we gave away $20,000 to these non-for-profits. And, and we gave these uh, money to these non-for-profits who are helping women get clean and sober. Who are providing housing and, 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 and love to teenagers who are homeless. We're, we're partnering with the Dream Center and we're doing things with their guys. And I'm going and speaking to their guys and we're doing partnerships with them as they help men get clean and sober. We are partnering with organizations who are joining us in our mission to be advocates for the broken, messy people of our communities. That's what it takes to be here for it. And you're giving. I was just talking to somebody about this before service. You know, it's nice to see that there's a church where the giving doesn't go to just building a bigger steeple, but that the giving and the generosity that you share with, it is going to help the people who are in need. It's going towards advocating for the broken, messy situations of this world. That's what it takes, though, to be for. And then there's it. Engaging. Engaging you to take a step in something unpredictable for the sake of someone's everyday faith in Jesus. A story that I haven't ever shared up here is a few years ago, 
Ramez, who you see, in, he leads our first impressions and he served on our leadership team for, for several years now. He was at the door. He was greeting for our daddy-daughter dance. And again, you think daddy-daughter dance. People ask me, well, why is the church doing a daddy-daughter dance? What, is, what does the church have to do with daddies and daughters and dancing? And I can't believe you're playing the hippity-hop in the, in the sanctuary of all places. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, Karen, calm down, all right? But Miz is at the door greeting for daddy-daughter dance. And he steps into the parking lot to look at the parking situation. He's standing in Wood Street, this little street that's between our two parking lots. And a car comes barreling down Wood Street right towards Miz. It slams on its brakes. Door swings open. Guy gets out. One leg in, in the car, one leg on the street. He points at Miz and he goes, you. And Miz thought he was going to get shot. And he goes, You. I need you to pray for me. Thank God, right? I need you to pray for me. That man's name was Scotty. And Scotty had a messy, messy story. Full of awkward, full of embarrassing, full of burdens, full of complicated, full of inconvenient, you name it. And he and Miz began a friendship. Scotty came to church a couple times. A lot of stuff happened. That's between, that's another time for another story. It's not my story to tell. But what I can tell you is that in the middle of all of that messy, Miz was Jesus to Scotty. And then Scotty died. And Scotty died. And I remember when Miz texted me about it. And Miz said, I'm going to the funeral to pay my respects. And so Miz, he, he goes to the funeral and he comes in and Scotty's family is waiting there. And he knew Scotty's family. He had talked and met Scotty's family before being Jesus to Scotty. And Mrs. Fam- or, uh, uh, Scotty's family comes up to Miz and he, they go, oh, we're so glad you're here. We're ready for you to start the funeral now. <laughs> and Miz goes, do what? <laughs> and they said, yeah, we're so glad you're here. Now we can do the funeral. We're, we'll listen to whatever you say. <laughs> And she looked at, she looked at Miz and basically, and I don't know all the words and I don't know the story perfectly, but she looked at Miz and said, you were Scotty's friend and you were there for Scotty and you were Jesus to Scotty. So we, we'd like you to, to do the funeral. And so Miz stepped back for a minute. I imagine probably ran to chat GPT really quick (laughs) and Miz got up there. And Miz did the funeral for Scotty. Now, think about that for just a minute. Going from greeting at the door, just opening the door and shaking hands for a daddy-daughter dance. And it led to an encounter with a messy individual who needed Jesus and needed somebody like Miz who would be Jesus to them. And not only was it life-changing for Scotty and Scotty's family, but I know because I know Miz, it made an impact on him too. And when you do that, when you engage in the unpredictable, messy for somebody else, it, it, it has the potential to do something for you too. See, the thing is, is, A here-for-it mindset can be risky, challenging, unpredictable, overwhelming, and life-changing all at the same time. So let me ask you again. 
Are you here for it? See, when we started this church 11 years ago, there were eight of us who met in a firehouse, community room in a firehouse right over here on Cherry Street. And we, Kate and I flew in from Nebraska and we sat down and we just, the question was, why would we do this? And all that we talked about was that we wanted to be here for you. Our neighbors, our friends, our family, our coworkers. First thing we did, it's nothing fancy. Again, I was a kid when we started this. No clue what to do. First thing we did was start a prayer list. A prayer list of people we wanted to invite to come and sit with us. Come and sit with us, not just so they could go to church, but come and sit with us so that we could be here for it. So that we could get involved in their messy, awkward, embarrassing, complicated lives. And we could be here for them as they journeyed through life. So that they could have a place where they could go and they could let it all go and they could let somebody know. And the reason you're in this room today, 11 years later, is because somebody wanted to be here for you. Somebody was here for it. Somebody walked across the room and invited you to come and sit with them, to be here, to experience this. And I asked this week, I asked a few people if they would share some stories of some time when you felt like the church was here for you. And I, I got several and I can't read them all. And I appreciate those of you who sent those stories in. But I, I had two that I wanted to read to you this morning. But the first one that I got... This is what it says. It says, last spring, my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer. And the cancer kit hit hard and consumed my grandmother quickly. I started to ask questions to wonder, but most importantly, found myself praying to God. And I asked God to be with my grandma, to give her strength as she made her journey to heaven. And to thank him for giving me such a beautiful soul. In her last hours, I had the honor of sitting with her, holding her hand, and telling her how much I loved her, thanked her, and assured her that I was going to be okay. A couple weeks later, I found myself searching to get back in church, and most importantly, back to God. My brother and sister-in-law. Invited me to Anchored Hope. Right away, I was welcomed. No questions asked. The energy in this room was electric. It brings me joy, peace, and serenity. Anchored hope has given me a sense of purpose and belonging. It's brought so many good people into my life. Most importantly, the church helped me to grieve my grandmother's passing and confirmed to me that she's up in heaven with God, our Lord and Savior. The church helped me through one of the hardest times in my life and continues to be. And I now know that no matter what I grow through in life, big or small, I am not alone. I have been reassured that I have a church family who supports me. Thank you, Anchored Hope, for being my church. I got another one. Growing up as a small kid, my brother and I were close. 
wrestling each other like we were in the WWE and going swimming all the time. My brother was my hero. Things changed over time, though. Our mom was diagnosed with cancer in 2023, and I really only cared about myself during that time. And my brother and I, we became distant from each other. We would scream at each other, be angry at each other, and it was always at some family event in front of each other, and we were always upset. And my parents would get involved, and it was such a mess, and I could never admit that I was wrong or anything was ever my fault. And this went on for years. And then my mom got cancer a second time. And that was the time we lost her. And my brother and I, we never figured out our stupid differences while she was here. But then my brother started going to church. And then he invited me to church. And something about the way he spoke about the church as a whole, it really stuck out to me. A church for people who don't like church. And I walk in. And we're talking about real stuff. Depression, anxiety, forgiveness. My brother and I not only went, started going to church together, we started mending our broken relationship. My brother became my best friend again. And now we serve on the worship team together. And I look forward to seeing him each week laughing with him and worshiping with him. Anchored Hope did that for us. There's a lot of stories that I got. There's a lot of stories I don't know. But here's what I do know. I know that we're not done writing stories yet. We're not done. We're just getting started. And we want to be here for it. We want to continue on reaching your friends, your families, your coworkers, the people who you care about, the people you want to be here for it too. We want to be here for you. And so we've, I've told the staff and I've told the leadership Where we're going, what we want our culture of our church to be is we want a here-for-it mindset. We want a here-for-it mentality. We want to be here for you regardless of how messy it is, how embarrassing it is, how awkward it is. We're going to move towards awkward. We're going to move towards messy. We want the weird. We're here for it. And that's how we're going to be different from everybody else. We may not have the biggest building. We may pack this out three times over. We may have to go to four services or five services. Whatever it takes, we are going to be here for it as much as we're asked to be. And that's how we're going to be different. And if you're here for it too, if not only we, but you decide to be here for it, we believe that people who are nothing like Jesus... We'll, we'll experience and meet and like Jesus. We believe that people will be inspired to follow Jesus and that they will follow Jesus and they will learn that Jesus can, he can make your life better and make you better at life. 
And we have plans this year, plans to to bring on another full-time staff member so that we have a full-time children's and family pastor because we want to be here for parents. We want to be here for our kids in the back. My goodness, we are a next-gen church. We want this next generation to know Jesus better than any other generation, and we want to be here for it for what they're going through. And we want to bring on another staff member so that we can also always have a full-time youth and young adult pastor because we want a pastor who is there for it. For those of you, for those of you who are young adults and you're going through that change in your life, you're going through graduating high school and you're going into the unknown and you're getting started, started with your relationships, starting a family, all that stuff. We want to be here for it. We have plans to continue to make this place a place that can always be here for it. And we don't ever want to get so big that we're not here for it, where we're just doing a service, checking in and checking out. That's not what we're after. That's not what we're here to do. We want relationships. We want friendships that go deep, that go beyond the surface level stuff and get into the messy, gritty, uncomfortable situations. Some of you have experienced this already. And what I'm asking you to do is to do for others what has already been done for you. To give and to serve and to be here consistently so that others can experience what you've experienced. And for some of you who are just coming, maybe this is your first Sunday. Maybe this is your second Sunday. Maybe you're just getting here. You're trying to figure out church. You're getting back into church. You couldn't have picked a better time to come. Because now is the time. To be here for it. To put somebody beside you, in front of you, and to truly live out what Jesus told us to live out. To love our neighbor as ourself. Will you stand and can I pray for you this morning? Father God, I appreciate so much how you have inspired us, how you have led us how you have given us a vision to be a church for people who don't like church. And God, you've, you've added a layer of that vision for us to be here for it. But God, this is not just a, a church thing. This is a, something that you've, I feel like you're calling every single one of us to. You're calling every single one of us to be here for it. To consistently show up, to, to advocate for others, to participate in our partnership with other organizations and and other community partners to change this place, to change this world. God, I think you've invited every single one of us to be open to getting involved in somebody else's story. Just like that story between Scotty and Miz. God, God, you want to take us from the door to the parking lot into into somebody's life. But God, the places it could go, the, the stories it could lead to, I mean... God, that's a purposeful life. And that's what every single one of us know, want. So God, this morning, would you, would you work on us each individually? What part can I play? What can I do? How can I be here for it? For the sake of others and for the sake of my own faith, Lord. God, we love you and we are excited about the future. Excited what you want to do in us and through us. And we look forward to it, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.